right, well, thank y'all for being back tonight. Boy, this is the best crowd we've had short of having a youth function. Huh? I try to have youth functions and children's functions on Sunday night because it brings everybody in. But then they, I said, well, can the youth speak on Sunday night? They said, no, they won't speak on Sunday morning. So, well, okay, I'll lose out on that one. But anyhow, thank y'all for being back. So, so why'd y'all come? Y'all want to be in a business meeting? You want to make sure everything's going right? No? Y'all not in a very humorous mood right now, are you? <laughs> Tracy's not mad because he didn't get to go deer hunting. He wanted to go deer hunting. Last day of deer season. Tracy wanted to go deer hunting. I said, well, you just decide that. You know, instead of coming to church, you talk to God and let him know which one you want to do. I was wondering. Well, thank you all for being here. We're going to open up God's Word. We're going to study a little bit tonight. going to look at a few things. Uh, I'm going to share with you some things, uh, whether I do it in this part or I do it during the, uh, the business meeting tonight. I want to talk to you about 2023. I want to talk to you about some things that, that I have in mind for 2023 for us. I shared some things with the deacons in the meeting. I'm going to share with the church as a whole. I want us to be unified. I want us to be moving forward together in 2023, and I want us to be on mission for God because he has a purpose for us. He has a plan for us, and I want us to to move forward together. So there's a lot of things I want to talk about this morning. I shared several things with you this morning that I had wrote for the evening, but but I wanted to talk to you about uh, several things. What's our role in God's plan? Now, this morning I shared with you about disciple-making. We went through the Great Commission. We talked about the focus of the Great Commission, what that passive scripture means, and the different aspects of it. But what is our role? And I want you to understand this. What our role is in God's plan? God chose us. He chose people to help him with his ministry. Uh, He could have just snapped his fingers and it would have taken place. He could have just said it. It would have took place. I mean, he spoke and the world came into existence. So he could have spoke and everything that we're trying to do, everything that, that Jesus had to do, it could have been just resolved. But his plan was a little bit different and we want to just look at it. We're going to study some scripture about that this morning or this evening. But I, I talked to you this morning about disciple, about disciple making. And this afternoon and this evening, I'm going to talk to you about evangelism. There's not much difference between the two. Making disciples is a form of evangelism. All right? You've heard about it. Well, I think evangelists are supposed to do evangelism. Is that not right? Well, we're going to have a guest speaker this week. He's an evangelist. He, what does that mean? He just goes from church to church preaching the gospel, right? He doesn't have a home church, I guess. But anyhow, so basically they call him an evangelist. Well, disciple makers are evangelists. Do you agree or not agree? Yeah, we're all evangelists. We're all sharing the gospel. We're evangelists, all right? Evangelism is not simply the ministry of the church. It's not simply a ministry of the church. It is the ministry of the church. It is the purpose of the church. Now, we are the church. The church is not a building. It's not four walls. There's a church building, but the church is the body of believers. The church is the Christian believers. It's us. We are the church, and evangelism is the purpose of the church. Now, I gave you a handout. Did everybody get a handout of the scripture? Most of there's a lot of scripture in there. I want to look at that scripture, and I want you to pay attention to some different things. When we do Bible study, when we do scripture work, we look at different things. So let's look at Luke 6, verses 12 through 16 to start with together. Everybody got a copy of that? <clears throat> All right. Pay close attention. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, 
and spent all night in prayer to God. What is important to you? And you read that verse of Scripture. What stands out in that verse of Scripture alone? During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. Is there anything in that verse of Scripture that stands out, that just jumps out at you? And he prayed all night. How many of you have prayed all night? Just question. Hold your hands up. I want to. Huh? A few times? Huh? Yeah. Ah. Hey, Jesus prayed all night. There must have been something important on his mind, on his heavenly mind, on his spiritual mind, on his human mind. He was in, he was there was something on his heart that he needed to communicate with God with you having problems, Amber? I can't keep you want me to stay over here where I can see? Huh? Your head moving back. I can't, you can't keep up with me, can you? Huh? Amanda. Amanda Amber. What is your name? Let me move this way just a little bit. Amanda. <coughs> Amanda's one of my close friends. I can't even remember her name. I think it's dementia. All right? I may have it, okay? So. But right now, you got to listen to me. During those days, he went out and he prayed all night. He prayed to God all night because something was so important. So let's look at the next verse. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples together, and he chose 12 of them whom he also named apostles. He called his disciples together, which is we're talking about the 70. He calls them together, and he chose 12 of them whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon called Zazelic, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. These are four verses, five verses of Scripture we look at. You have to go to the Gospels if you want to see the life of Jesus. Now, I preach a lot out of the Gospels because I love to hear about the life of Jesus. These are things that focus on his ministry. So you've got to look at that, all right? Why did Jesus deliberately concentrate his life on so few of a people? I'm talking about 12. Why did he do that? Did he not come to save the multitudes, did not the Bible say he came to seek and save that which was lost, which is the multitudes of people? I mean, this whole world was lost. Jesus came. He stepped out of heaven. He's God the Son stepping out of heaven. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Why do you think he focused on so few a people? He's training his disciples to go out and spread the word. Yeah, training his disciples to go out and spread the word. So, so when Kerry starts talking to you about investments... When he starts talking to you about small groups, which I'm going to talk to you about that. And it's the method that Jesus Christ himself used. If I'm going to be an imitator of Christ, I need to do things like Christ did, right? If you're going to be an imitator of Christ, you need to do things like Christ did. If you want to follow God's leadership, if you want to follow Jesus Christ's leadership, you need to do things the way he recommended it. He showed us how to do it. He's trained us and told us how to do it. He demonstrated it. You know, he spent three years with his disciples. What was he doing? Having church with him on Sunday? What was he doing with him? Now, he's living with him too, wasn't he? Every time he's awake. Now, with the exception of the times that he goes off to pray to the Father, he's with those disciples. He's investing with them. He's talking to them. He's, he's, he's shoulder to shoulder with them. 
He's pouring his life into them for three whole years, all right? For three years, he's investing in them. He didn't just tell them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go do it. Here, read this book, and, and there's a few things. Check a few boxes off here. Take the test at the end, and I want you to go do it. That's not what he said. Man, he lived with them. He poured his life in them. He wanted them to be like him. He wanted them to be like himself, right? Isn't that right? So what does he want us to do? What do you want us to do, Roy? He wants to be like him. Man, do you want to be like him? Just a question. Y'all want to be like Jesus? Yeah, I do. Man, I'm gonna, all right, so let's just look at January 2023. December 2023. I want to know more about Jesus Christ in 2023 than I do today. Amen? Amen. All right, that's our mission for this year. We want to know more about him. We want to be closer to him. We want to be obedient to his word. We want to make sure that when December gets here, we say, hey, man, we didn't waste these 12 months. Okay? All right. All right. <clears throat> That's just the first three, two paragraphs, all right? The answer to these evangelistic questions focus on the real purpose of his plan for evangelism. Jesus was not trying to impress the crowds, but usher into the kingdom. He wanted to usher in the kingdom, all right? This meant that he needed to, people to lead the multitudes. He could not reach the multitudes. It's going to take time to prepare these de uh, disciples. He spent three years preparing them. But it was time, and when he ascends back to heaven and they get the Holy Spirit, where do they go? All go the same direction? They spread out. Some go in twos, but most of them go in different directions. And they go in different directions, all right? All right. The Bible says that the masses of people were like helpless sheep wandering aimlessly without a shepherd. That's what it says. The masses, the multitudes, were willing to follow anything that looked like something that would make them feel better. Something that would take care of their problems. Let's look at the next scripture. Mark 6, <coughs> verse 34. When he went ashore, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> if y'all want to know, I went to the doctor on Friday. I still got a cough. He didn't fix it. Huh? I, I need to go to a different doctor next week. Huh? Lord, help me. If y'all need any medicine, I got plenty, Okay. All right, Mark 6, 34. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd. We're talking about multitudes. And he had compassion on them because they were what? Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. So he did teach them, all right? They were willing to follow almost anyone who came along, all right, with some kind of promise for their welfare. God knew that before the world could be permanently helped, people had to be raised up. To be able to, to minister to them, to be able to share the gospel to the multitudes and tell them about the things of God. All right? Look at where Jesus placed his priority. Now, we've already talked about this. Luke 6, 12 says this. He spent the whole night in prayer. He spent the whole night in prayer. And I told you it was because something was important. He's about to select 12 men that he's going to name apostles. There's 12 apostles, all right? So let's think about this. There's 12 apostles. What happens to one of the apostles? Turns on Christ. So we lose him. So now we're down to 11. Where do we gain the 12th apostle? Because there's 12 apostles. Who's the next apostle that's appointed? It's on the road to Damascus. Anybody know about that road? And a, and a big bright light happens and, and, and somebody falls on the ground. Anybody, y'all tracking with me? Paul. All right, Paul's the 12th apostle. When we lose Judas... We're down to 11, but when Christ, so apostle, you know the difference between a disciple and an apostle? One, one 
All right, so, so you're correct, all right? A disciple is a learner, a student. Apostle isn't a messenger, but apostle is somebody who's handpicked by Christ to carry the message. We're talking about a handpicked person, somebody who's, who's named an apostle. Jesus named 11 apostles, and then on the road to Damascus, he, in a bright light, comes before Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He, he handpicked Saul, made him Paul on the road to Damascus. So apostle is someone who is handpicked to carry the message of Jesus Christ. All right? Disciple is a learner. Disciple is what we are. Disciple is what a Christian is. So from now on when you say, hey, I'm a Christian, you can just say, hey, I'm a disciple. Right? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to be. All right? All right. He's about to call the twelve among the disciples that were following him. He has to initially handpick one of them who would betray him. You've got to think about this. Jesus had to pick Judas. He had to handpick the one that was going to betray him. He knew he was going to betray him because he's God the Father. He's omnipotent, all right? But he had to pick him anyhow because it was part of God's plan. God's plan had to be fulfilled. It had to go through the process, all right? He didn't avoid the cross. He had to handpick the one that was going to betray him. He had to wash his feet. Jesus picked the initial 12 because it was part of God's plan. Judas betrays him. He loses the 12, and then we pick up the 12th one with the apostle Paul, all right? A disciple is a learner. Or it's an apprentice. It's the same thing. It's an apprentice or a learner or, or the disciple of someone who's growing in the faith. All right? <clears throat> Jesus had uh, many disciples, but only 12 handpicked apostles. All right? So let's move into the method. The method of evangelism all started with Jesus calling a few men to follow him. This revealed immediately the direction his evangelistic strategy would take. His concern was not to programs it wasn't uh, programs to reach the multitudes he didn't have anything other than this one thing on his mind and this was his method god uses men and women today in this particular time god chose men men were his method because that was the ones that that people were going to listen to at this time but today god uses men and women for his purpose to reach the people for the kingdom of god all followers are equally important to Christ and have equal responsibility to reach the lost. Now he's talking about, well, Kerry, now he's going to have a, a female pastor on the church pew, isn't he? Is that what I'm going after? I didn't say that. What I said was in, in, when it comes to making disciples, when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission, when it comes to preaching and teaching and baptizing, when it comes to sharing the gospel, men, women, Boys, girls, all are equally important when it comes to telling people about Jesus Christ and showing his unconditional love. All right? The initial objective of Jesus' plan was to enlist men who could bear witness to him. Basically, he's going to, he's going to enlist men who could tell people about his life, testimony, what he's done to them, how he's changed them. But not only how he's changed them, but man, we saw him turn water into wine. We saw him bring Lazarus from the grave. We saw him heal a leper just by speaking to him. We saw him put mud on a man's eyes and he could see. He's he's enlisting men who could bear witness to his life and what he had done and show them firsthand knowledge. When you talk about a witness, what's a witness? He's a witness to a murder. He's a witness to anything. What is that? Somebody saw it. Man, I'm a witness for Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't see Jesus Christ, but I've seen the things that he's done. 
Man, I've seen the, the, the beauty of what he's done. I've seen how he's changed my life, how he's changed other people's life. I'm a witness to that because that's firsthand information. To know how Jesus Christ has changed my life is firsthand information. To know how he's changed uh, Wesley's life is secondhand information, but Wesley can give you firsthand information. All right? It's the same thing. All right? It's, that's what a witness is. He chose people who would, who would bear witness to him. All right? Now, let's see here. The, the beginning point of time in evangelism was Jesus Christ handpicked a handful of disciples who would be changed by him, just like we're changed by him. He changed them, and they would change the world. Ultimately, they're going to take the good news of Jesus Christ, and they're going to change the world. When we think about it, Man, Jesus invested in 12 men. He further invested in three that he really invested in, all right? But his purpose was to change the world through these initial 12 who went out, talked to some people, changed them multitudes. We're talking about multitudes. When, when Peter preaches, thousand people come to know the Lord. We're, that would be a heck of a thing. Have you ever seen something like that? How's, how's, where, you, where have you ever seen the most people get saved? Terry can tell us a few uh, this past weekend, but have y'all ever been a conference where many people come to know the Lord? And no telling how many, right? No promise keepers. You been to promise keepers? How many people come to know the Lord at promise keepers? That's a firsthand knowledge. You saw that, huh? I was at my first promise keepers. Six hundred people made profession of faith on Friday night. That's amazing. Man, I'm going to tell you what. Promise Keepers, the first time I ever went to Promise Keepers, they want you to get in a huddle around some other people and start talking to people. You know, after they preached this powerful message, I got in a huddle with three people I didn't know. They started telling me things that I didn't want to hear. I think this one guy was probably should have been in jail, you know. I'm thinking, oh, I don't need to know that because then they're going to come and ask me about that, you know. But I'm going to tell you, it breaks some people down. But 600 people came to know the Lord. And like you said, Billy Graham, man, there's been some advantage. There's no telling how many people <coughs> will be in heaven because of those, those conferences. All right? And I got some things to tell you which on, on, on Billy Graham. He is a, I've read a lot of his stuff. He's really, really solid, obviously. All right? All right. John, and let's look at the initial objective Jesus' plan was to enlist men who could bear witness for his life and carry on the work that he was going to do. Now, let's look at this. John and Andrew were the first to be invited to join Jesus on his mission. John and Andrew were the first ones that Jesus invited. They had been with John the Baptist, but, but they were the first ones to be disciples for Jesus Christ. Now, this all happens pretty quick on the first of these. Let's look at John 1, 35 and 40, all right? The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. I want you guys to take a look. That's the Lamb of God, all right? The two disciples heard him, and they followed Jesus, all right? The two disciples that heard him follow Jesus, that was John and Andrew, all right? When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that heard John and followed him. Now, Andrew, in turn, went and found his brother Peter and brought him to Jesus. <coughs> now, you got to understand who Peter is. Peter is one of those 
rough and tough kind of guys. And Peter's the one that's going to cut the ear off of the soldier, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He might have been a little bit reluctant when his brother Andrew comes and get him. He said, hey, we have found the Messiah. We've found the one that we've been praying for for hundreds and hundreds of years. We want you to come see. So John 1, 41 and 42 he first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated as the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. The next day, Jesus found Philip on his way to Galilee, and Philip found Nathanael. All this is taking place within one or two days, all right? John 1, 43 through 51. Let's look at that. The next day... Jesus decided to leave Galilee. He found Philip, and he told him, follow me. Those are two magical words, isn't it? Man, those have so much power. And Jesus says, follow me. And people laid down what they were doing and followed him. He looks at, in the eyes of, of people, and he says, hey, follow me. Follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I'm going to change your life forever. He said, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. And told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. And he said about him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I have told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, there's no evidence of hesitation in what Jesus is doing in the selection of these disciples. Just determination. All this happened within a couple of days. Jesus is determined that he's going to pick a handful of men to, to, to serve as his, de de his deacons. Boom. He might have had some deacons I didn't even know about. I think deacons didn't come in until Acts. But anyhow, he had some disciples that he was determined he was going to get them in place pretty quick. Determination to find the men who would lead the first church after Jesus ascended back to heaven. Now, James, the brother of John, is not mentioned as one of the group until the four fishermen are recalled several months later on the Sea of Galilee. And we can talk about that a little bit. But let's, let's go on and look at a few more passages of Scripture here. Mark 1.19, going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat pulling putting their nets in order, Matthew 4.21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Shortly afterward, Matthew is called and followed the master. Jesus passed by in Capernaum. We look at Mark 2, 13 and 14. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then, passing by, he saw Levi, which is Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's office. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And Matthew got up out of a tax collector's booth and followed him. It doesn't say there's any hesitation in the response to these people. There was no hesitation in the way Jesus selected them. And we don't see any hesitation. You know, when Jesus speaks to you and tells you to do something, pretty much think you're going to do it, right? Yes or no? 
Jesus come in front of you and he said, hey, I want you to follow me, what would you do? If Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, what are you going to do? Huh? Exactly. He's telling you. All right, God, give us what? He gave us what to go by. He gave us his word. He gave us the, go, the word. Just like Jesus speaking to him. When you read it in the Gospels, that's Jesus speaking to us. When he tells you to go, therefore, and make disciples, that's the same thing as him standing in front of you saying, go, therefore, and make disciples. All right? All right. The particular surrounding the call of the other disciples is not recording in the disciples and the gospels, but we believe through studies and through what we think that all the disciples were called within the first year of Jesus' ministry. All right? What is significant about these men is the fact that at first they're not impressive at all. Man, these men were not key figures in society. None of them had any wealth, none of them had any power, and I take that back. Matthew had a little bit of cash. Matthew had a, probably a little bit of education, a little bit of knowledge. I don't know how much education he had, but he had a little bit more knowledge. But for the most part, all of these men were, were not very prominent people in, this, in their society. You think about Matthew. He might have had a little money. He might have had a little knowledge. But what was his relationship with the Jewish people? What was it? They hated him. And you ain't coming to my house. I mean, he was hated, all right? And I think the only people he could hang out was other tax collectors, all right? None of these men occupied any prominent places in the synagogue. None of them had any connections with the priesthood. For the most part, they were common laboring people, probably had no professional training beyond the basic knowledge necessary for their vocational skills. So you know, for the most part, and we talk about this, when they got through with Torah school, if they were selected to go on to be an apprentice under, uh, under a rabbi, they would continue. But the majority of people had to go back to the family business. Their fathers taught them how to do a trade, and they continued in the family business. And that's what the majority of these people went back to their, their family business. Most likely skills that they learned were from their fathers. Uh, most boys had to go back because they had no education other than Torah school. All right, They had no academic degrees. Just like Jesus, they had only formal education they had was that from the synagogue schools. All right, Most of them were raised in poor section of the country around Galilee, and by any standard of culture, now and then, they were most likely considered a ragged collection of followers. And you think about it. Now, these are men who are going to change the world. At first, from an outsider looking in, these are not the people that you would have selected to lead your church. You What you think? It's not time. Lord, help me. All right. I, I can take a hint. Let me see. Oh. Uh -huh. All right, let's look at some things real quick. I'm almost done. Let me finish this thing up because we got to get me. Jesus. <laughs> doubling up on me. So let's just talk one thing. I'm going to finish up with one thing here. So why did Jesus select these individuals? Why do you select these particular disciples to follow him? I mean, outsider looking in, they weren't very classy people. They weren't prominent. They were fishermen. They smelled like fish. All right? Why did he choose these? Man, ain't that something? So Jesus used anybody. He can choose. He'll choose and use anybody because he sees what in people? Potential. He sees potential. You know, 
do we make mistakes sometimes because we don't see potential that people have? Huh? Jesus saw potential. He's got the gift. He could see it. But sometimes we don't even see our own potential. You know, we say, hey, we need a Sunday school teacher for, for a young adult class. And I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't lead that class. Our young couples, you know what I'm saying? But, but the potential, we don't even see our own potential sometimes. Let me tell you something. Five years ago, I said, I ain't preaching at no little country church. Those people are running me out of time. Huh? Five years ago, I didn't think I was going to be preaching anywhere. But Patty told me I wasn't. She said, uh-uh. no. <laughs> all right, I'm about done. Acts 4.13. We'll finish up with this right here, all right? When they observed the boldness of Peter and John, they realized that they were uneducated, untrained men. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And they didn't have any education, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus because of what? How did they recognize they'd been with Jesus? They were different. They acted different. They talked different. They shared things that, that most people didn't know. Because they'd been with Jesus. He taught them. How did they have this information? How did they have it? First-hand knowledge and the power of who? Power of, of what and who? Holy Spirit. Man, he recalled it. He brought it back to him. All right? They were teachable people. That's what we need to look at. When we select people to, to do things for us, they were teachable. What is perhaps the most significant thing about them is they were sincere in their yearning for God and the realities in his life. Jesus can use anyone who wants to be used. <coughs> Seven of these men were fishermen. One was the tax collector, and the other four were anonymous as far as their vocations. We do not know, but they were ordinary men. Their personalities were different, yet Jesus called them to be with him, to learn from him, and to go out and represent him. And I say, that, that would be probably the best thing to know is that Jesus Christ comes to you and says, hey, I need you to go out and represent me. I need you to go out and, and represent me. I can't go, but I need you to go for me. Isn't that a great thing? Well, let me tell you something. That's what he's saying to each of you and to me. I need you to go out and represent me to the nations, local and foreign. I need you to go out. Okay? All right? Any questions before we close and get into our time of business anybody all right let's pray father god i come before you with a humble heart god i just thank you for this day god i so look forward to your day in your house god just just studying your word together with with this church and god coming together with with so many people that love you and want to learn about you and god i just pray and i'm excited just to the fact that we can grow to closer to you and father for 2023 that is our objective is to make you known to a lost world, and Father, to know you better. Father, we want to know more about you with each day, and God, when this, when this year comes to a close, we want to be able to say that we have shared your word with a lost and dying world, and that we do know you better. God, I just pray for our, our time of uh, fellowship tonight. I just thank you for it. I ask that you bless it, and I pray for safe travels for those traveling back home. But God, I pray as we move into our business meeting, God, that you would represent, we would represent you in the business meeting, and God, that everything that we say and do would be honoring to you. Father, we love you, and we lift up your name, and it's in Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen.